Our gospel reading this evening comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret. And your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father, who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves will break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, I woke up one day this fall already stressed. It wasn't because I missed my alarm, I just was so behind. I had deadlines coming up, there was a paper due, I had web pages to create, I hadn't yet done any of the reading I had promised. I was leading worship that evening and I wanted to finish a cross stitch for a friend to celebrate her graduating from grad school. Of course my dishes hadn't been done in a couple days and now that I think about it, it had been a couple days since I'd gotten outside for a walk or any form of exercise at all. I was in sort of a frantic state. I didn't even know what to start on. And as I opened my computer, a notification popped up. I wasn't even going to read it. But as I was going for that X in the corner, my eyes caught what it said. Spiritual direction, journal due, 4.30 p.m. today. Well, so for those of you who don't, No, um, spiritual direction is similar to counseling, um, but instead of at counseling where you would meet with a counselor and work through specific goals, um, at spiritual direction, you meet with a spiritual director um, to listen and discern what God might be telling you. And so um, all that is to say that it was not something that I could accomplish between 10 a.m. and 4.30 p.m. when it was due. It would require me setting up a time to meet with my spiritual director, doing some inward work to think about what we might collectively discern, and then, of course, patiently sitting and listening for God. 
not something I had time for that day. So I pondered my options. This um, report was due for a class. After all, I was getting graded on doing this. And so I thought, well, I could just turn something in, make it up. I mean, how is my professor going to know spiritual direction sessions are confidential? But that wouldn't be honest, and I am going to be a pastor after all. It didn't feel quite right. So I started listing reasons in my head why I deserved or should get an extension on this assignment. But the more I (laughs) thought about those reasons, they all kind of felt like excuses and quite frankly, not any different than anything my classmates would have been dealing with that day. And so I emailed my professor the only thing I could honestly say. I apologize. I forgot to do this assignment. I will be getting it to you late whenever I can. And I moved on with my day, and typically this situation would make me feel quite queasy inside, and I would have to rectify it immediately. I hate being late, but I didn't have time to worry about it that day. It wasn't until later in the evening that I saw the email response from my professor. Dearest Lindsay, no problem. Just let me know when you have it scheduled so I know when to expect it. Extensions are a part of life. Don't worry about the grade, and I hope your week gets better. I could have cried. In fact, I almost cried out of relief in that moment, but... As I've said a couple times now, I did not have time for that, so I stopped myself. And this professor, Dr. Bo Karen Lee, who uh, teaches my class, she always um, starts our classes with a prayer to God. She asks God for unforced rhythms of grace. I don't think it was until she prayed for unforced rhythms of grace in our next class session that it really clicked with me that that's what I had experienced that day. That is what she extended to me when she offered me an extension, not only the extension, but one filled with grace and kindness. It was an unforced rhythm of grace. And this phrase, it, it comes from the message translation of the Bible in Matthew chapter 11, which reads, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come with me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Come with me, walk with me, learn my unforced rhythms of grace. The words of Jesus, and that day, the words of my professor. And I think what Jesus is telling his disciples to do in our gospel reading this morning, though it might sound very different than the grace-infused words of the message version of Matthew 11, I think what he's commanding them to do is the same. Jesus tells his followers to practice their spiritual lives in private, and I don't think it's because spiritual practices in public are bad. Or at least as, uh, as we continue to pray on the internet, I really, really hope not. 
But I think what Jesus is saying is that lives of faithful people should mirror God's unforced rhythms of grace. And so prayer and fasting and spiritual practices, if you're doing them in public, you might just want to pause and get real with yourself about your intentions. Because all spiritual practices are intended to bring us closer to God, not to give you higher social status or to be thought better in the eyes of others. And so Jesus tells the disciples to give gifts, to pray, to serve, to fast in private, to remove their anointing oil from their faces before going in public, which is kind of ironic considering this is the one day of year we as modern Christians mark ourselves with the cross. That we should note when we read this passage that Jesus is speaking to his followers who exist in a pious society. Yes, Jesus' followers will be persecuted after his death and resurrection, but when Jesus gives this commandment, he is speaking as a Jew to Jews in a Jewish society. And so we have to remember that context in order to grasp his message here. He's telling his followers to practice faith out of love for God and for others and for self, not out of public affirmation that they surely would have gotten if they were good at praying in public, because that's what was happening all around them. And so on this day each year, on Ash Wednesday, when we mark the beginning of Lent, we modern Christians mark our foreheads and we recite the words, Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Words intended to ground us in our humanity, in who we are as created members of our earth. Those words place us in the rhythm of God's creation without pumping, pumping us up as pious or righteous. They don't allow us to boast. They point to something we instinctually know, that there's a rhythm to life, that life ebbs and flows, like waves lapping up on the shore, like the sun rising each morning, when our heartbeats and our actions sync up with the symphony of love that God is creating all around our earth, we can feel it. There is rhythm to this life, to this world. And that rhythm shows us each day that we have not returned to dust, that we live in God's grace. Whether it feels like it or not, a glimmer of God's goodness, in fa- goodness is found in the rhythm of our daily lives. And we remember that we are dust to remind us each year, maybe each day, that we aren't God, but we do get to participate in God's world. And as we begin Lent, we reassess how we're doing, where our focus is, what is the rhythm of our life, and is it centered around God's story? unforced rhythms of grace that we don't force or try to make fit or do something for the wrong reasons, but that we allow faith to come from a well of love that God places within us. That faith has a rhythm to it, 
Like everything else, the more we practice it, the more we get into this rhythm. The more often you practice faith, the more often you find yourself wanting to practice your faith. It's like what my band teacher taught me about the trombone in the fifth grade. You see, faith in all of its actions, in prayer, in trust, in giving, in service, becomes rhythm in our lives as we practice noticing and sharing God's abundance. And that unforced rhythm of grace in our life, the way we learn to act in the world without even thinking about it, we pray each Lent that it would be the way of God's grace, that God's pure goodness would be infused in us so that we might share it with the world, that love of God, love of ourselves, love of others, love of our world would exist throughout the flaws and the hurt and the disappointment, that what we would embody would be the undeserved gift of God's grace in the world. Unforced rhythms of grace. That is what Jesus is telling his followers to practice when he reminds them that where their treasure is, there their heart will be also. Jesus is telling his followers what they already know from their life experience. Wherever you invest time, money, effort, yourself, your identity, well, you will end up spending more time, money, effort, yourself, and your identity in maintaining that thing. And so, Lives that are formed by repeated rhythms based in God's grace will lead to holy lives. And lives formed around worldly things will lead to lives dependent upon worldly things. One of my friends was deep in grief this past week. She had lost a friend to suicide, and she was really, really sad and angry at God. She declared to me that she didn't believe in God anymore, and she had some good reasons that she listed for why. There was not much else to say, and so after we had talked, we played in the snow, we laughed a little, and then we both went back to our apartments. Later in the evening, I texted her just to see how she was, if she needed anything, and she replied, I'm okay, just praying to God, even though God might not be real. It's what I do when I'm sad, but it's helping. There was a question mark. She did have that little helping at the end. Without even wanting to or trying, my friend had fallen into an unforced rhythm of grace because she had practiced it her whole life. My roommate is a teacher uh, to a teenager with special needs. And each weekday, they meet via Zoom, and she walks him through a homeschooling curriculum. In addition to his math and his English and social studies, she's working with him on life skills such as scheduling and eating healthy food, apologizing, noticing his emotions as they rise up in him. And most days they meet and they slowly walk through lessons until their time is up. But on days when her student just can't handle school, they read Harry Potter. And even though my roommate doesn't really like Harry Potter, shocking to me, she launches into different voices for each character, inviting her student to do the same. And the thing is, even through our headphones and our walls, I can always tell when the switch to Harry Potter has happened. Because her voice shifts from her patient yet firm 
teacher demeanor to a gentle and energetic comforter, meeting her student where he is that day. And as she reads with him, you can feel the unforced rhythms of grace reverberating through her Zoom call. I know an 11-year-old boy whose cancer just came back. He was diagnosed when he was eight, and he had been in remission for two years. Him and his parents and his three siblings are really scared. And so they decided as a family that they would pray at 8.15 every night. And pretty soon, the word about 8.15 prayer got out. They shared it with one family friend who then proceeded to send a lot of Google Calendar invites to others she knew would want to pray as well. Using her technology to create an unforced rhythm of grace that spreads across the country. I had a friend in college who went to worship at one of our campus ministries religiously, and I don't use that word too lightly. But each Monday night, she was there without fail in the basement of an apartment building worshiping with her friends. However, when the yearly retreat came up each year, she never wanted to go. I was curious, so I asked her why she would be so involved in this group but not want to attend the retreat. She told me that she wasn't sure what she believed about God, so the retreat space made her nervous because she might have to share, and she didn't really know what she would say. But that she went to worship each Monday because it softened her each week, made her feel a little bit more human and a little bit less alone. So she kept going, experiencing the unforced rhythm of grace found in that space that didn't need to be known or articulated. Lent is the church season where we uh, set aside time to explore new rhythms each year. It's a season Christians have traditionally committed to 40 days of a practice intended to bring them closer to God. And this year, we're inviting you to find a new unforced rhythm of grace. We have Lenten micro practices and faith with a twist, that light movement and meditation that we invite you to do weekly or daily as it works in your schedule. We'll be singing spirituals and worship, which Carol will explain in just a minute. I'm not sure what this Lent season has in store for you. I know in the past I have tried to give up things that don't necessarily bring me closer to God, but bring me closer to maybe my ideal me. I know people who have added things into their lives being really optimistic about how much time they'll have to devote to Lent, but it doesn't feel like the year for that. It feels like the year that we settle into one unforced rhythm of grace. And maybe in these disorienting times, that rhythm will bring us more in tune with God's song. And maybe we'll find that that unforced rhythm of grace extends beyond the season of Lent. Maybe you'll even start to offer more unforced rhythms of grace to those in your life. What a joy that would be. Amen.